Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Tonight we are learning Masecha Sukkah, Daf Kafvav, and we're starting two lines from the bottom on Kafhayamid Bays. Let's jump right in. We're going to be continuing our Sugya about Chasan uh, and what he is putter from as it relates to Sukkah and Shoshvinan and Bnei Achopan. And the Brisa writes as follows Tanu Rabbanan, two lines from the bottom, Kafhayamid Bays. Chasan v'hashoshvinim nechobnei achupa, the chasan himself and all of the, the, the wedding party, uh, they are pturin minat tefillah, uminat tefillin, v'chayavim b'kriyashma. Two pturin, they're exempt from davening and from tefillin, and they're chayav in kriyashma. Why the distinctions? Take a look at Rashi, two lines from the bottom. Rashi says, two lines from the bottom, dibra maschil, pturin min, uh, minat tefillah, deboya kavana, because as we know, davening requires kavana, and it's very hard to have kavana under certain circumstances. Uminat tefillin, Hold on. Umina Tfilin, that's before he that's before he's married. That's before he's married. Talking about Krishna. That's different. So Umina Tfilin, he's also potter from wearing Tfilin Mishum the Shekhicha Shikhrus Vikalis Rosh. It's not uncommon to get drunk. We all know that when people drink too much, they they can't behave properly. So therefore, they also should have no chiyuv in such a mitzvah. Why do we say that one is chayv in kriyashma? Because as Rashi highlights, and this should be a throwback to Shitas Rebbe in Maseches Brachos, the mitzvahs kavanasa eina ela pasuk rishon. The only pasuk that requires kavanah in the mitzvah of kriyashma is the first pasuk. And I remember the Gemaras there, I think they said, they were saying there that uh, they would say to their Mishamesh that if I'm falling asleep, make sure I stay awake at least for the first Pasuk. And after that, if I doze off, I doze off. That's the Dindo Rice of Kriyashma. And you can get yourself together enough, even if you're, even if you're part of the Bnei Chupa, even if you're part of the family, you can still, uh, you can still focus enough. Now, all of that seems to imply, of course, that a chasna is chayv in Kriyashma, which is against the trend. That's not what we're used to seeing. That brings, to, brings us to Chava which indicates the more common sheet. Mishum Rabbi Shila Amru, Chasan Pater, Chasan is exempt. That the Chasan is going to be Pater from what? Rashi, Mishum Rabbi Shila Amru, Chasan Pater, Mikriyashma, the Tarit. He himself has a tear to remember we discussed. It's not just tear the Stam, it's not just being distracted, but it's tear to the Mitzvah. We made the distinction between uh, Vesula and the Nalmana that the tear of that particular Mitzvah with that particular person, that is a tear to the Mitzvah. He should be Pater, but the others are Chayab and Kriyashma. Uh, what is the scope of Osik B'mitzvah, Pater Minah Mitzvah? This is a wild Gemara, and it's quoted in Shulchan Aruch, which we'll see momentarily. The Gemara's second line, Chavav Meralaf, reads Tanya, it's a Brisa, Amr Rabbi Chanina Ben Akavya, Kosve Svarim, people who are Sofrim, Tefillin Mezuzos, Stam, that's where Stam comes from, Kosve Stam, that's the acronym. Hain, them, Vitigrehen, the ones who are who sell those items, Vitigre Tigrehen, the ones who buy them and resell them. Vichola Oskim B'Malechas Shamaim, and anyone who's involved in Malechas Shamaim, La'asuye Mochre Tcheles, even people who sell Tcheles, Betur Mi Kriyashma, Uminat Vila, Uminat Tfilin, Umikol Mitzvos Amuras Petora. The Kaim Dibre Rebiosi Haglili Shay Rebiosi Haglili Omer Haosik B'Mitzvah Pater Mina Mitzvah, an extremely expansive idea of how we apply Osik B'Mitzvah Pater Mina Mitzvah. So let's say I'm giving shear, and let's say that that shear takes place from before Zman Kriyashma kicks in until after Zman Kriyashma ends. Lachor, I should be putter. So that's where the Shulchan Aruch comes in. I'm going to read the language. Just keep your eyes on this brisa. That's why I didn't even make photocopies because you don't need it. Here's what the Shulchan Aruch says in Orachayim, Simen Lamed Ches, Seif Ches. Kosvi, Tfilin, Umezuzos. Haim, Vesagrehem, Vesagre, Sagrehem, Ochol Oskim, Amlech, Shamayim, Turin, Me'anachas, Tfilin, Kol Hayom. 
And then here are the words that are added in by the Rishonim that are not in the Gemara. They're exempt from those things. Zulas bishas kriya No, you're not putter all day. You got to go to Shachris in the morning and put on tefillin like a mensch. Of course you have to do that. After that, because people used to wear their tefillin all day long, after that, you should take off your tefillin because those take b'mitzvah pater mina mitzvah. But if efsher l'kaim shnehem, if you're able to do both, of course you're not pater. Obviously you're not pater. That was the sentiment that we got last night at the bottom of the Gemara and Kafheim of Beis before where we started. It said in the name of Reb Zeyra Ona, uh, he would eat in the sukkah and the chadi and he would have a simcha by the chuppah as well because he got to do both mitzvahs. So, of course, that's what the Shulchan Aruch is writing here in the name of the Rabbeinu Yonah, Rabbeinu Yerucham, and other Rishonim as well. That when we when the Gemara here on the top of Chav Vavam Aleph indicates that everyone is potter from Kriyashma, Tfilah, Tfilin, everything for all the mitzvahs, that's where Eiv Sharlakayim's name. Under those, okay, fine. Under those circumstances, there can be a case where you can't put on Tfilin. There is such a circumstance. But it's not an everyday affair. It's very rare that these, that these things should actually take place. Not that it's not the din. It is the din, but we have to know how to apply it. It doesn't mean that just because I'm doing mitzvah X, I can therefore skip mitzvah Y. We have to make sure we understand these halachos clearly if we are to exact them. Eight lines down. The b'risa writes, The rabbis teach us, You have a person who travels by day. So then, Then, of course, he's going to be potter from sitting in a sukkah during the day. However, your p'tur is not a 24-hour tour. If you're traveling during sunlight hours, okay, so you don't eat in the sukkah during the day. But at night, when you get home, you sit down and you have a suda. It's not a 24-hour tour. The reverse is also true. Let's say you're driving. You want to keep the kids asleep. You start driving at 8 p.m. through the night. And it's sukkah. fine. So you can eat in the car. No problem. You don't have to, you don't have to change anything. Everything's going to be fine. However, it's not a 24-hour tour. Unless you're traveling for 24 hours. What about long trip? Let's say you're taking a flight around the world. It's a very long trip, 24 hours. It says the Gemara, that you are then going to be exempt under both cases. And as well, if a person is uh, traveling to do a mitzvah, even if you only traveled for part of the day, that's different because the mitzvah is another, another level of power. to pater you. Okay. Because these are on Shabbos of the Regal, on Shabbos of, of Sukkis, they went and they were sleeping. The ganu is to lie down. The ganu is uh, the Aramaic word for lying down. What's Arakta? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is above where we are by about two, three inches. Rashi says, Al Nahar on the banks of the river. So Havuganu Arakta the Sura. They were in Surah and they were sleeping on the river, on the banks of the river. Amre, they said, no need for a sukkah. Anan mitzvah, anan we have the mitzvah that we're doing right now. They were going to, they were going to be Makabal Pnei Rabo, which as Rashi highlighted yesterday is the classical, one of the classical examples of Osik Bemitzvah Pater Mina Mitzvah, that you're Pater from Sukkah and you're Makabal Pnei Rabo. Um, and that is a that is an Indian that one should go see their Rebbe on Sukkot, which is why uh, I, in, in a lot of shows, I know our show has done it, other shows in the community have done it as well. It's time for people to go see the rub of their show. It's considered a mitzvah to, to do so, to be makabal pnei rabo by the Chag. A third of the way down, Tanu Rabbanon, continuing on the same theme. Shomrei ha'ir bayom, if you have a person who's a security guard on Sukkot and they're protecting the city during daylight hours, granted, but they're still obligated at night to, to fulfill the mitzvah of eating in a sukkah and sleeping in a sukkah and living their life that way in a sukkah. Shomrei ha'ir balayla, 
yeah, the night shift, of course, it only applies for that section of the day that you're potter, but the next section of the day, um, uh, people who are uh, protecting the city, but they got a double shift, then of course, that makes sense. All right? you're, you're, it's not like you have to flip your whole world upside down and change your work schedule. No, there are pturim that are built into the halachos of sukkah, but it, it's not dumb. It has to, again, you have to be clear on what the halachos are. Shomre ganos upardesim, a person whose job it is to protect fields. Their job is to watch fields, so either animals or thieves don't steal produce, whatever the case may be. Pturim bein bayomu bein balayla, they have a wider a wider kula. So asks the Gemara, in this b'risa where we learned about the shomre ha'ir, and we learned about the shomre ganos upardesim, v'le'av I don't understand. Just build a sukkah where you are. You're, sit, you're sitting there the whole time anyways. You got a 24-hour shift and you're in a field. Build a sukkah. You're under clear sky blue. Go build a sukkah. Why are you exempt when you can build a sukkah and fulfill both things? So this, the Gemara says, is a machlokas. Abai Amar, we're exactly halfway down. Abai Amar, he says, no. The reason why they don't have to build a sukkah is because teishvu ke'en taduru. Because we know, a reference to the Pasuk, that a person should have their life in the sukkah as they live. How does this play out? Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is about a quarter of the way down. Dibur Hamaschil Kein Taduru. Rashi says, Kein Taduru Kiderach Shehudar Kol Hashana. Bebeso. Like you would live at any time of the year in your house. He's Kikaso Atoro Lahaniach Diraso. Then you have to leave your home. Beladur Kan Imitosa with your bed. Beklitash Misho. And with uh, the things that you normally have, your couches, whatever is normal. Matzosav. All of your kalim of your house. Zeno Yochel Lahavian Shami. What, you're going to schlep a, a whole U-Haul to where you're working? That's not that's not normal. And therefore, says Abaye back in the Gemara, to build your sukkah here where you're a secure, that's not normal. You don't have to go that far. That's not the din. The din has to be that it's Teshu Kain Tadur. So that's what Abaye says, why in this case, where you're a, a security guard, why you don't have to build your own sukkah. Ma'ashein Kain Rava argues. Rava Amar, if you're there to protect something, you're asking the Ganovim to, to steal from you. So Rashi here explains that if you have a tent, it's going to be surrounded on most sides. You're basically asking the Ganov to go hide on the backside of the tent and steal from you. <laughs> so the, your whole job is to be a security guard. It undermines the whole reason why you're there in the first place. So Rava says, is not Teshu Kain Taduru. Maybe Taka, you could have built a sukkah had it been the case. And, and in fact, says the Gemara, my Beinayu, what's the difference between Abaye and Rabbah? We asked the question, why in our Brisa, where it says that you're a security guard for 24 hours, why can't you just build a sukkah? Abaye says it's, you're, you're in violation of Teshu Kain Taduru. This is not a normal place to live. And, and Rava said, no, that's not the problem. The problem is that it's impractical because if you build a tent, they're going to steal from behind the tent. So what's the difference between the two? My Beinayu says the Gemara, Ika Beinayu to come into our car Let's say that you have a three-sided tent and you're only watching one pile of fruit and it's directly in front of you. Nothing for the gun of them to steal from behind you. So under those circumstances, Rava would say, no one's going to steal from behind me. I'm only watching one thing and it's in front of me. So Rava would say, Taka, you're in building a sukkah in that case. Masha'in Ken Abai would say, inherently that sukkah can't be built because Teshu Kain Taduru, as Rashi explained, it's a tircha, and this is not the normal way to do things. That brings us to the two dots a little bit more than halfway down. Chavav Maralif, let us continue. Says the Gemara, we spoke about in our Mishnah, that if a person, Rahman al-Islam, is not feeling well, uh, then they... And the people who are tending to them are then putter from the mitzvah of sukkah. Tanu Rabban, and the rabbis teach us in a brisa. It's a tosefta, actually. Chola she'amru, when the Mishnah that we are learning now, the Mishnah in Masechah Sukkah refers to a person as a chola, critical information. Lo chola she'yesh bo sakana. 
No, we're not talking about someone who is on their deathbed. We're not talking about someone that has any illness of massive significance. We're talking about even a person has an illness and they're not so, it's not life threatening. Um, even if you, your eyes hurt, you have a bad headache. I ate a David Zuckerman's house three years ago. I fell apart on his couch with a migraine. You might remember. Oh, that's, that's, that's Chash, but he wasn't with me on the couch. That was Chash Barosho. That's not Cholashiyeshposakan. And had it been Sukkis, I could have easily, I could have easily walked out of the Sukkah. No, I could have easily walked out of the Sukkah, totally Pater. That's fine. And it could have been me and anyone who needed to tend to me. That would have been totally patra. That is what the Gemara is saying, that the tour of Chola and Sukkis, that tour is not Chola Sheyesh Bo Sakana, it is even Chola She'ein Bo Sakana. By the way, just as an important aside, that as it relates to Hilchos Shabbos, the halacha is that we have a Gzera Derabana not to take medication on Shabbos because of Gzera Shema Yitron, the Gemara explains this idea, the way they used to make medications back in the day. They would take herbs, they would take spices, they would grind them up, and then they would consume them in whatever way they would consume them. So today we still have that Isra Derabana, that one is not allowed to take medication on Shabbos unless they are a Chola She'ein Bo Sakana, same exact line. How do we define that? So it's not defined as leniently in the Shulchan Aruch as it is here. The Shulchan Aruch is defined as if you're nafa lemishkav, you're ill enough that you need to lie down, or you're chola kol gufo, that you're sick enough that your whole body, the flu, that sensation of your whole body being sick, one of those two things is enough. Let's say you're just congested and you want to take some medication. That you're not allowed, that's insufficient. You're still going to shul, it's insufficient. Until it knocks you down, you're not allowed to take medication on Shabbos. Important caveat, if the medication you're taking is preventative, then you are allowed to take it. If you know that you're about to be sick enough to lie down, then it, by taking medication X, you're preventing that, that's mutter as well. But the same phrase is here, just a very practical um, halachic aspect for Shabbos. So that's what the Tosefta starts with in regards to Chola. And in fact, with a story, Amar of Shimon ben Gamliel, Pamachas, Chashti be'enai be'kesari. He says once he had some type of, of eye, uh, eye ache or, or a headache of some kind, be'kesari, that's where he was, the city. Vihitir Rebiosi Berivi. Rebiosi Berivi said, he said, you don't have to sleep in the sukkah. Vihitir, he, he was leaning and telling me, Lishan ani umisham shaychutz l'sukkah. A practical application of the halacha. Amaisa shahaya. Beautiful. Uh, Rav shara l'rav acha bardala l'migna be'kilsa b'sukkah mishum baki. This is interesting halacha, one that applies in Chicago, especially under certain climates. That Rav, Rav was lenient; he allowed Rav Achabardala lemigna to lie down bekilsa inside a bed. And Rashi highlights a bed that's an ohel mamish and a real hefsek within the sukkah. It doesn't it means you're not in the sukkah anymore? But sukkah mishum baki. Rashi quotes a French word, seemingly a French word, and the Mefarshim explained this word as yitoshim, which are mosquitoes or bugs. And we have a lot of bees in our climate, especially on, on an early sukkah here, where it's still very warm out. We have a lot of bees. So this seems to be a tour that you're allowed to do something, uh, whatever it is, put up some type of netting in your sukkah if it's very, if it's very buggy. It seems that it would be mutter from here. That's story one. Story two, Rava Sharale, the Rabbi Achabar Adel Migna, he allowed someone to sleep, Lemigna, to lie down bar, Mimatlalta, to sleep outside the sukkah, Mishum, Sircha de Gargishta, because there was a particular sand that was being used on the ground and under the circumstances it had a terrible odor. And that was enough of a reason to leave the sukkah. Why? Why are these two cases, the case of Bucky, the case of the, of the bugs and the case of the Gargishta of the sand that doesn't smell very good, why were they lenient? So says the Gemara, an idea we've seen briefly, we're three quarters of the way down. Rava is following his own shita. 
Potter min hasuka. We know this idea that a mitzvah is potter min hasuka. That if there is a person who is under difficult circumstances, it's uh, again not personal, but uh, it's circumstantial to the environment. It's pouring rain. That's how we know. Like if it's pouring rain, you're potter from eating in the sukkah. On the first night of sukkahs, we're more makbid. We try to wait even up until chatzos. We try very very hard to fulfill the mitzvah on the first night of sukkahs. On the rest of the days of sukkahs, you just go right inside and you eat them. When it comes to sukkahs again, Ray Robinson will remind us of all of these halachos. But Rava, the time made these cases were because mitzar potter mina sukkah asks the Gemara. But our Mishnah doesn't talk about Mitzdar. What does our Mishnah say? Who says, where did you get that from? The Mitzdar is Pater Minasukah. That's a Gemara. We're not saying that Mitzdar and Chola are identical. They are different. Amre, here's an answer. Chola, when we talk about someone who's sick, their level of Ptur is greater. How so? Both he who is ill and those who are tending to him, his caretakers are allowed to go inside, outside of the Sukkah. But Mitzdar, if someone's uncomfortable, so then who Potter, misham shavlo. But if uh, let's say I'm a I'm a guy and I have avadim, so and I mitzta'er, I can't handle the cold, I can't handle the bugs, I can't handle the rain. I can go inside, but my mishamshim, who are yidden, they're still obligated to stay in the sukkah. So while it's true that we're making an inference that that chol is different than mitzta'er, the difference is not in the level, not in that the person is pater. Everyone agrees the person is pater both as a chola and as a mitzta'er. The only difference is those who are tending to that person. That by a chola, the people who are Jewish and tending to the chola can go inside, when it comes to Mitzar, that's not true. Now, we had said in our Mishnah, the third din of our Mishnah, we said, that a person is allowed to eat some kind of small amount of food outside the sukkah. Asks the Gemara the practical question. We're at the two dots, 15 lines or so from the bottom of Chavav Muralev. How much food are we talking about? How much food are we talking about? Says the Gemara. Amar of Yosef, two or three eggs worth of food. Okay, that's not an insignificant amount of food. That's six kazaisin. That's about six slices of white bread, the way that we would have measured it nowadays. If you look in the kazais book with all the pictures, we assume that a kazais of bread is about one square slice of, uh, of white bread. So let's assume it's a third, a third of a slice. Is a kazais? Yeah. Okay. I'm not familiar with that. How can you? That means you can wash and bench on a third of one slice of bread. No, that's this Gemara, but that's not uh, Halacha Lamaisa. The Gemara does discuss that, but we pass in Halacha Lamaisa that when a person has to wash Natilas Yadayim, that with a bracha, with a bracha on Natilas Yadayim, it has to be more than a Kazayas. If you're eating less than a Kazayas, you still wash, but you don't make a bracha of Al Natilas Yadayim. Right, so there are distinctions in halacha, and certainly you won't bench because you—it's not the the savat. You haven't eaten enough. But whether or not you make a bracha of al natilas yadaim, that is greatly dependent on the very small share. If you're eating less than a kazayas, let's say you want one bite of pizza, and you know that's all you're eating, you still have to wash. You just don't make a bracha on the washing. You of course make a bracha on the hamotzi. That's birchas anenin, obviously, and then of course you take a bite. But then that's all you can eat because at that point, if you want to then wash anymore, but of course the bracha. Just taste it. It's not a taste. You're taking a bite. No, we're not talking about benching. We're not talking about benching. There's three things here. There is bracha on the tila, on the tilas yadayim. There's the bracha on the birchas and on eating the food in the first place, and then there's benching. By on the tilas yadayim, you do not make the bracha of on the tilas yadayim unless it's a kazayis. By the food itself, you make a bracha even on the slightest morsel of food. If you're swallowing that food, but there's no benching because the amount of food you ate was only one bite, and that's below the threshold of any bracha akrona. You take one bite of ice cream, you make a shahaku, but no boring of fashos. 
who only takes one bite of ice cream. I'm just saying that it's an example that that's why in this case, you would not make on the Tilas Yadayim. You would make a Moti Lachamina and you would not bench. Okay. So it says the Gemara, Rav Yosef was of the opinion that when the Mishnah says that Ochlan Achila Sarai, that one is allowed to eat Achila Sarai outside the Sukkah, it's two or three Beitzah. So it says the Gemara, no way. Amar Abai, there are some people, I am one of them. That might be a full meal for someone. For that guy, it depends who you are. For that guy, six Beitzah's worth of food is a lot of food. Not... A lot of people are satisfied with that. You're calling it Sudas Arai, but for a lot of people, it's a Sudas Keva. So if the Mishnah is calling it a Sudas Arai, then it has to be Mamish Sudas Arai for everybody, or at least for most people. But what you're talking about is unreasonable. That's a fair chunk of food. So therefore, says the Gemara, a good question. And Abayi therefore posits his own answer. You're right. Kala from the word Yarche Kala. When a person goes to the Ashir of the Rebbe, so the Barbe Rav is a reference to the Tami. I mean, it's Kidetayim. They're going to grab some food. You take a look at Rashi here. Rashi is a little bit more than halfway down. Kidetayim Barbe Rav Ayelakala. Baboker. In the morning, they finish Shachras. They go to grab food. And sometimes the Rebbe gives a, a long, a they're afraid that it's going to be a long, a long morning and He grabs a little bit of food to make sure that he can sustain himself throughout the shear. But it's a small amount. Uh, the way that I heard it in the shear that I was listening to earlier today is okay, you grab a Danish on a coffee. You're not you're not having a whole suda with like eggs and bread. It's not, it's a small amount of food. So that's Abaye's answer. So two shitas. The shita number one was the, the, the basic answer of Rav Yosef, and then Abaye, which is very strange because Abaye was a Talmud of Rav Yosef. So that's difficult. How did that dialogue work? If Abaye is a Talmud of Rav Yosef, you don't just get to push back on your Rebbe. I don't know the answer to this question. I'm raising it on my own, but knowing the generations that Abaye was a Talmud of Rav Yosef, it, it's very difficult to understand how that how that dialogue played out. The Gemara continues 10 lines or so from the bottom, Tanra Banan, Raisa. Yes, as we saw in our Mishnah and here in the Brisa as well, that one is allowed to eat Achila Sarai outside the Sukkah. You want to grab a piece of fruit outside the Sukkah? No problem. You want to have a little bit of a, you want to have a drink? No problem. That's great. All of that's fine. However, you're not allowed to sleep outside the Sukkah, even, um, even Shena Sarai, even a quick nap, not allowed. My time. Why the distinction? Why do we allow Achila Sarai outside the Sukkah, but we don't allow Shena Sarai outside of the Sukkah? We're afraid that your, your, your short little nap will turn into a very long nap. That's happened to the best of us. So therefore, we're concerned that since that would not be appropriate to take a full nap outside of a Sukkah, a full sleep. So therefore, we don't even allow the Gzera Drabban If that's true, that you're so concerned about Shena Sarai outside of a Sukkah, well, then we have a problem in another area of Halacha. Ella says the Gemara, Amar Ella, Hadatanya, we have a Brisa that writes, Yashen Adam Shena Sarai B'Tfilin, that one is allowed to take a nap, a short nap with their Tfilin on, Avalo Shena Skeva. So says the Gemara, I don't understand. You, you said that outside of a Sukkah, you're not allowed to take uh, Shena Sarai. You can't take a short nap because we're afraid it'll turn into a long nap. But by Tefillin, we said you could take a Shena Sarai. Why? Ask the Gemara, six lines from the bottom. Why don't we have the same exact concern by Hilchos Tefillin that we had by Sukkah? If, if the small nap could lead to a long nap, then you got a problem. So it says the Gemara, you gave your sleep to somebody else. What does that mean? It means you got someone to wake you up. You got a wake up call, 7 a.m. So says the Gemara, you want to take a little cat nap, then you're going to ask someone to wake you up. So says the Gemara, that's the answer. That's why by tefillin, we say that it's really allowed because we're under the assumption we're making a new kimto. We're under the assumption that you got someone to wake you up. Says the Gemara, what kind of answer is that? Maski flow Rav Mesharshia. Arveich, 
Your guarantor, the guy who's supposed to wake you up, he needs someone to wake him up. Everybody falls asleep in a quiet room. So you're sleeping. You say to your friend, wake me in 10 minutes. Four hours later, everybody wakes up after a gun's nap because he fell asleep too. So the Gemara says, if you're relying on someone to wake you up, he needs someone to wake him up, which means that we can't use that as the answer to the Gemara. So therefore, the Gemara on the first very long line of Chavav Medal, four lines from the bottom says, you're right. We're not talking about in the case of tefillin that someone could take a nap, a short nap by tefillin. We're not saying that that's allowed because he has someone to wake him up. Ella said, oh, the Gemara say Ella. Uh, it does earlier. So what does Rav Yochanan say? He's folded over on himself taking a nap. He puts a little pillow on his knees. He puts his head down. It's very uncomfortable. If you're very tired, you'll knock out for a few minutes and then you'll wake up in a few minutes. But you don't need a guarantor to wake you up. You don't need a wake up call. You're going to wake up because the blood's going to stop circulating to your feet at some point, and you're going to wake up because it's uncomfortable. So that's what the Gemara is talking about in the case of tefillin. That's why by tefillin, the the short nap is okay because you're folded over and uncomfortable. came when it comes to the sukkah, there we don't have such a svara. Although had you slept that way, seemingly that would be mutter too, but that wasn't the case by sukkah. We just assumed that you were taking a regular nap on a couch. Rava has a different svara. Rava Amar, ain keva l'shena. This requires Rashi to understand that there is no keva for shena. Take a look at Rashi. Rashi is is found Rava Amar. It's about 20 lines or so from the bottom of Rashi's three-fourths of the way down. Rava Amar, L'shema Yeradim Lochashinon. We're not concerned about Shari Yeradim. Hilkach B'Tfilin Shari. The Sukkah, Hilkach B'Tfilin Shari. The B'Tfilin, we're not concerned about that at all. The Sukkah, Hainu Taima. The reason why by Sukkah we have a concern is not because we're afraid you're going to nap long. The Asr Shena Sarai Lefish Ein Keva L'shena Ve'ein Bachiluk Ve'ein Keva L'arai L'inyon Sukkah. There is no difference, says Rava, between a short nap and a long nap. I took a cat nap today. I don't people do that sometimes. And that's what gets you through the rest of the day. You don't always need a four hour nap. Your 20 minute nap could be your an equivalent of a long nap. So therefore there is no Shana Sarai or Shana Skeva. All sleeping outside of a sukkah is Shana Skeva. And it's not the concern that Shema, maybe you'll sleep longer. Any nap is problematic. And the reason it's problematic is because, as the Gemara says in the name of Rava, there is no minimal amount of time of sleep. If you fall asleep, it could be enough if you sleep for 20 minutes. So now the Gemara is going to present a three-way machlokes in Brisas, and we're going to answer with three different uh, three different ukimtas. Tani chada, in one Brisa, we have the following information. That one is allowed to take a short nap in their tefillin of alo keva, but they cannot take a long nap. Another Brisa says, you can sleep no matter what. Another Brisa says, all the iterations, that one is not allowed to take a nap, even a short nap. So we have three different Brises. How do we answer them up? Two lines from the bottom. In the last Brisa where it says that you cannot take any kind of nap, that's when you're holding the tefillin in your hands. And if you're holding the tefillin in your hands and you fall asleep, they may fall on the floor. That's unacceptable. But another b'risa where we say that you're allowed to have shena sarai but not shena skeva. That's the first b'risa we saw. That's where you're wearing your tefillin on your head. And the middle case of ben keva ben arai that it's mutter is hadet paris sudra ilave where you've taken off your tefillin and they're covered up. Then of course you can take a nap. You're not wearing them. So three ukimtas to explain the three b'risas. The kama shena sarai. How long is this short nap considered for the shitas that allow for one to take a nap with tefillin on for Shana Sarai, says the Gemara, Tani Rami Bar Ama. The amount of time it takes to walk Mea Ama, 150 feet. That's not so far. How long does that take? 
what is that? Let's, the average house property in Chicago is about 30 feet. So that's about walking five houses. 30 seconds? I, 40 seconds? I don't know. It's not that long. It's a very short nap. That's Shenasa, right? Incredibly small amount of time. Tanya Nami Brisa that supports this. The first din of this we're not going to focus on now. The first part of this Brisa is not our Raya, but what does the Brisa say? Last line, Chavav Medalif, as we turn to the top, if a person is wearing sleeping and they're wearing tefillin, and seemingly this Brisa holds that it's mutter in the Tanakhama, Varoa Keri, and he has a Mikra Laila while he was sleeping with his tefillin, then he wakes up and recognizes what happened. Then Ochez Beritsua, then what he should do is he should not touch the bottom. He should be Ochez Beritsua, he should remove the tefillin only by touching the straps and not by touching the bottom. Ve'eno Ochez Beritsua, Divrei Rebbe Yaakov. What's Ketsitsa? Rashi, Dibra Hamascha, Balayochaz Beritsua, Him Tefillin Atzman. There's a difference in the level of Kedusha of the tefillin boxes themselves, which hold, which hold the parshios, and the ritzuos, which service the batim. So therefore, if a person was wearing tefillin, and there was a mikralayla, they had a seminal emission, so then the halachas, they removed their tefillin, not by touching the batim, but rather by touching the straps themselves. V'chachanem omrim, no. Yashin adam tefillin, only sheina sarai. Not that, not a deep, deep level of sleep that could lead to a mikralayla, just a very short catnap. And as we just described, it's that very short amount of time. Avalo sheina skeva, but not a long nap. V'kama sheina sarai, how much is that? Kedehi luchmea just to walk, just to walk for, you know, whatever it is, 100, almost 30 feet, 30 seconds, whatever it is. Omar Rav, Rav says, uh, unrelated to this in a way, which is, one is not allowed to sleep during the day more than the sleep of a horse. What are we concerned about here, says Rashi, Rashi on the end of the second line, one should make sure that they are not violating the Isra of Bittal Torah. This is not simple. The standard, as one of my rabbin put it when I was in yeshiva, he used to say, the mitzvah of Talmud Torah is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Nebuch, you have to sleep six, seven, eight hours a night, whatever your body needs, no more, no less. Okay, so that eight hours. The Rambam says you should sleep eight hours. You got to know yourself. Winter, seven, seven. What? He says eight in the winter and seven in the summer. Oh, really? I don't remember that. That was in, uh, was that Hilchos Deos? I have to look that up now. I don't remember that distinction. Okay, so seven or eight, whatever it is, whatever the number is. Okay, you're supposed to learn 24 hours a day. You got to sleep eight hours. All right, you got 16 hours left. You got to go to the bathroom. You got to eat meals. You got to spend time with your family. Deduction, deduction. But at the end of the day, every free minute is meant for learning. So this time you would just want to go lie down just to shoot the breeze. No, you're not. That's Bittal Torah. You got to make sure that you're that you're on the nose with that. So says the Gemara, you're not allowed to sleep in uh, during the day. Al Bittal Torah more than Shena Sasus. V'kama Shena Sasus. How much is that? Shisin Nishme. About 60 breaths worth of sleep. Post can discuss what this is. Is it 30 minutes? Okay, that's a Shiloh as well. Although 30 minutes, that's two breaths a minute. That's not, I think the Gemara was giving, according to those sheets, it was just, it was just basically a catchphrase. Go take a, a 60 breath nap, whatever the colloquialism of the day would have been. He says, my one of my Rabbeim, Rashi says who that was, Rabbi Bar Nachmeni on the third line of Rashi. Rabbi Bar Nachmeni used to nap Kidirav, just like Rav would nap. Udirav would nap Kidirebi. Uda Rebbe kid David, and Rebbe would take a nap like David. Uda David kid Susia, and David would take a nap like horses take naps. How do they take naps? Uda Susia, she's in Nishmeh.
Okay, so that's how long their naps would be during the day to avoid the acerbital Torah. They would take a quick nap, whatever that was, let's call it up to a half hour. That's approximately what Shisa Nishmei is. The Gemara says 10 lines down, eight lines down, Abayi He would take a nap. He was naim. He would nod off. He would go to sleep for the amount of time it would take to go up from Pumpadisa to Bekubi. And Kari Ale, remember that Abayi, as we learned on the earlier page, Abayi was a Talmud of Rav Yosef. Kari Ale, Rav Yosef, his Rebbe called him out. I bought one. It's amazing to hear these conversations because Abaye was like the great Abaye. So it says the Gemara, how long is the lazy guy going to sleep? When are you, you going to get up out of bed and start learning like a Ben Torah? I'm not being the mean one. I'm just quoting the Gemara. <laughs> so, come on, get up. You got to learn. You got you to learn. Okay. One third of the way down, we're going to go um, until the top of the next page to the next Mishnah. Got a little bit of time. Says the Gemara's files. If a person does go to sleep during the day and they have tefillin on, you can take off your tefillin or you could not. That's during the day though. But at night, you have to uh, take them off. You're not allowed to put them on. The concern here is what we refer to in the post as gufnaki. And when a person is wearing tefillin, they have to make sure that as a bodily function, they don't pass gas while they're wearing tefillin. That's considered a lack of color for tefillin, and therefore, therefore, one does not wear tefillin at night. If not for that concern, then one would wear tefillin at night. Therefore, you know, Yerushalmi is to wear tefillin all day. That's not so posh. They have to make sure that they know their bodies very, very well. And as well, the Mephorshim also discussed this. They want us to make sure that they control their hihuri nashim when they're wearing their tefillin, which is not a simple thing ever. It's certainly not simple uh, when you're being told not to. The first thing you think of is something you shouldn't think of. So that's, we should, one should be very, very careful with that in regards to their tefillin. Um, the Mishnah Brura and Hilchos um, Tefillin is very sharp about it, that one should focus when they're wearing tefillin. If this does happen, a person has your isha, then they should push themselves to try and stay focused with their tefillin. Okay, but that's what Rav Nassim says. Rav Yossi Omer, Hayiladim, Rashi says Hayiladim is not children, it's Bachram, it's older people. And Rashi here says, what does it mean that these uh, older, that these uh, these Bachram, these, these boys who are already bar mitzvah, they're, you know, they're, they're going to be Regilim Batuma. So Rashi says, just to our left, one inch up, Rashi says, at this point, what do we think? That they're younger, they have less control of their thoughts, and it's much more likely to lead to a Mikra to lead to carry. So that's what we think the Gemara is talking about. So says the Gemara. Lema, maybe we should say that this Rav Yossi was of the opinion that a bal carries that a person who's tummy to must carry can't put on tefillin. Amar Abaye, no, you can't learn that from our case of Rav Yossi with the Yeladim. Amar Abaye, be Yeladim vinishosei We're talking about young Avrechim, young couples who are who are relatively newly married. Shema Yavulu dehergel Avera. That uh, it's normal for for these couples to be. What? Correct. Sorry, hergel Avera. Wow, thank you. Nice catch. Shema Yavo, right? Was, did it say Avera before? Did I just make that up? Yeah, I think I just made it up. Yep, I did. Shema Yavo de Hergel Davar. Hergel Davar, that they may end up uh, with some level of intimacy, which would, of course, be problematic with Tanarabonon. In fact, in this very same vein, Shachach Vashimish Mitasu Bitfilin. I don't know how that's possible, but if a person is wearing Tfilin and they were Shachach and they had Tashmashamita, so there the halacha is, uh, is pretty sharp in regards to the removal of Tfilin. You cannot touch the Ritsuos, even though you're wearing them. You can't touch them with your hands. Not the Ritsuos and not with the boxes themselves, not with the Batimachi. Yodavit, until one removes 
the tumah by washing the tilas yadayim. Typically, when we say yadayim askaniyosin, it means that you've touched a part of the body that is otherwise covered. This is true around the clock. If a person reaches inside their shirt to scratch their stomach, and they actually you have to wash the tilas yadayim before you make a bracha. You have to make sure yadayim askaniyosin. That's why there's a machlokas in the Rishonim about tilas yadayim in the mornings, the rush and the rashba. What's the reason why we wash our hands in the morning? Is it because it's bria rasha? Or do we say because Yadaim Askanio saying? So if you no matter what you say, if you're sleeping and your and your shirt's untucked and you scratch your stomach, you know, Yadaim Askanio saying. So here too, of course, that's the case. So therefore, one would have to wash their hands before removing their tefillin if they were shachach b'shimish mitasa b'tefillin. One more Mishnah says the Mishnah two thirds of the way down. Chavav medbeis ma'isa behaviu lo l'rabban yochanan ben zaka. They brought him some food. They brought him some food. Lito mesatav shall to taste something. And with the rabban gamliel shnei kosavos, they brought him a shear of two kosavos udulis shel ma'im, and they brought him some water. Ve'amru, what did they say to him? Ha'alam l'sukkah. We should bring all the food to the sukkah. We're going to see in a moment. This is a stira. Literally, our last Mishnah said that you can be ochel achil asarai outside the sukkah. So the Gemara is going to ask that kasha. Uchshenasan lo Reb Sadok. When they uh, brought food to Reb Sadok, ochel pachos mikebeitza. He ate uh, less than a kebeitza. Not to mapa. He just for cleanliness purposes. He picked it up with a napkin of some kind. The achlu chutz the sukkah velo acharav, and he. And he ate it outside the sukkah, and he didn't make a bracha achrona. So it says the Gemara, my solistor, this whole Mishnah goes against what we learned in the previous Mishnah. You just taught me one Mishnah ago that Ochel and Achila Sarai in regards to sukkahs, and then you give me a whole Mishnah about Achila Sarai, and all of a sudden it's us or now. Like all of these Rabbanim are saying, go eat it in the sukkah. I don't understand. Says the Gemara, you're absolutely right. You're right. The Mishnahis here are not fully uh, are not fully written out, and they should have been. And here's what the proper text is. Says the Gemara, four lines from the bottom. If a person wants to be strict on themselves when it comes to not eating outside of a sukkah at all, even though it's mutter, you want to have a chumrah, no problem. We've only seen this maybe once or twice in Shah so far. Yuhara is the Gemara's terminology for basically uh, showing off a little bit. Yeah, look how from I am. I, I don't even drink water outside of a sukkah. Says the Gemara, if you're like being uh, erlich about it, no problem. You want to be machmer, no problem. But you should just know the din. The din is like the previous Mishnah that ochlan achila sarai chutz le sukkah. Umay there's another story very similar. The heivil of the Rabban Yochanan ben Zakkai lito mesatav shel according our Gemara. The Rabban Gamliel. So we're blending the two Mishnahs together. Uh, and Rabban Gamliel as well. Shnei kosavos with the lishal mayim with all the water top of chavzayin and alav amruhelam le sukkah. Again, a quote from our Mishnah, blending the Mishnais together as a part of a proper understanding of our Mishnais, that yes, one is allowed to eat outside of a sukkah. However, if you choose to be machmer, there's no yuhara, then you're not, you're not feigning gaiva. It's totally fine, no problem at all. Says the Gemara, just a quick diuk, ha-kibetza by sukkah. It seems to be that if it is a kibetza, if it is a kibetza, then you do require a sukkah, but that's a problem. Because we saw two shitas already today about what it means to eat outside of a sukkah. We saw two or three kibetzim. That was a shita of Rabbi Yosef. And we saw abaye kedesha shiit om barbe rav lakala. That small amount. So that, this is neither of those shitas. It says, this is a double contradiction. You say that the shear, the threshold at which one is obligated to eat something in a sukkah is a kibetza that violates Rav Yosef, who at the open of our Gemara today said two or three kibetzas. That's certainly not a shita. And it violates Abaye, who argued with Rav Yosef, his Rebbe, and said that it's just a cup of coffee and a, and a Danish. That's a much smaller amount. Says the Gemara, no, Labdafka, Dilma, really, Pachos mi kibetza, Natilo, Brachalaboy. Maybe when it comes to a shear of food that's less than a kibetza, you don't have to wash and you don't have to make a bracha achrona, but a kibetza, but when it 
comes to the kibetza, if you eat that sure, you do need natila bracha, but really it's not a distinction in regards to whether or not you have to eat that in a sukkah. We'll stop right here, and we'll pick up right here at this new Mishnah tomorrow night. Wishing you all a beautiful night.